You're not a big IndyCar though guy, are you? Not really. Uh, no. But I did bring some gifts for one for each of you. Oh boy. So oh, yes. these are fuck the pusses. So you can set them on your desk or wherever you want and you flip someone off eight times right when you see them. I mean, helps uh, brighten my day when someone walks in and notices it at I'm least. I'm need like about 30 more arms. I can make a bigger one if you want. I mean, it's just 3D print printed. this yourself. Yeah. So and just make a could, huge. Does that like a huge suction cup on it? You just throw it. <laughs> just throw it. Smacked. Yeah. And just kind of. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Yeah. So if you need if you need a bigger one for you know a worse day, I can make that happen. A bigger printer. <laughs> we've we've got a three D printed. Yep. Yeah. We've got a partner that's building one the size of like a uh, parking spot, a car parking spot. So is that like twenty by fifteen or something? I'm not flipping you guys off, so, by the way, just so you can actually see it. Yeah. That's a new hashtag, that a new tag that we haven't used in a while either. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a, it's pretty uh, frequent in the vocabulary, so. All right. Well, thank you. That's perfect for a Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I thought. You know, keep it light and, you know, that it tell is. people how you feel. Eight times. Yeah. Um. I was going to ask you about, were you excited to see the Indy cars on the track yesterday for the open practice, but that's not, yeah, it's not, not happening. Not much. I don't, I don't do much into racing. I've, I've thought about trying to get more into uh formula one and there's the whole, was it drive to survive on Netflix? Right. Everyone says like, if you're going to want to get into it, that's a good show to watch to kind of, but it's just not. Well, if you liked full swing, mm-hmm. I think you might like yeah. it. Yeah. There's the common interest of golf and full swing. Helps out for me though, so right. like I'm not much in the, the into the world of sports ball in general, basketball, football, any of that. So, golf and being a nerd is basically what I got locked down. I don't, I don't follow. F1. You're a pro nerd <laughs> most days. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really follow F1, but I I enjoyed watching that series. Just yeah, the personalities that we've got. We've got someone it. on our team that you both know, Ben uh, Timmerman. He uh, big into F1, big F1 guy, and so. I've I've talked to him. Uh, he and his friends have a Discord server that they'll like chat about the different races and stuff like that. And they have a one buddy that's way too into it, from what I've gathered, and has put like a how to get into F one guide together. So he's like, "Well, if you're interested, I could share that with you." I was like, that's a lot of commitment. I don't so think I can do turn that. race on, watch start a race. Yep. Watch who leads going into turn one. Turn off. Resume nap. <laughs> okay. I could get behind that. That yeah. that it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, fair. What are the, what's the percentage of whoever leads the first lap wins the race in F one? I don't know, um, but I I think I would probably. I love the technology of F one. I like the manufacturers that are in F one, um, but I, whether it be F one, IndyCar, any sort of open wheel racing, mm-hmm. the um, road courses. And even some street courses are just like, eh, to me. Some are really good. Some I just don't think they're, think are conducive to racing. Like Monaco is the hollowed ground for the race, but it's, from pure racing perspective, not very yeah. good racing. Yeah. Very few passing points. And of course, being an indie guy and growing up with the 500 and IndyCar back in the day, it was such an oval racing series that that's mm-hmm. just, I guess, what's, when you're raised watching something, you're sort of ingrained with that. Yeah. Um, but even some, even non-oval people will then counter argue that, oh my gosh, oval racing is so boring. They're literally just going and 
left turn. circles. Yeah. You know, it's like, I get it, but there's also really good racing in that as well. Yeah. It's just a different aspect of it. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing that would um, intrigue me about F1 is the stats that go along with it and kind of the points race and things like that. And I, th- I think there's still a lot of that within IndyCar too, but yeah, that's just, I, I don't know if it's as pronunciated as it is within like the F1 genre of people following it and things. I think you've got like some level of rivalry that's created mm-hmm. and it's like, and then big F1 fans like to like trash IndyCar and, and vice versa. And it's like, but there's more in common than there is different. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's not, it's not so different from a technology standpoint. Yeah, there's some te- technological differences and some some philosophical differences when it comes to that. But pure speed, braking, uh, you know, power steering versus non-power steering, mm-hmm. you know, who's working harder, who's not working harder. They're all working hard. Yeah. You know, they're all fast. They're all braking yeah. hard. They're all turning hard. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Just, I think it's all pretty good racing if you're into auto racing. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, it's Tony's last season. So okay. maybe I should this kinda... month we'll go out there for a practice session. We can talk about IT stuff while watching cars go 220 Perfect. plus. I'll check out their Wi-Fi, see how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who runs IMS's Wi-Fi, but maybe it's, it's not def- It's not me. I can, <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get rolling. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you all for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts or if you're tuning in on the Assessa YouTube channel. Thank you for doing so. Um, if you're looking for something free, which is few and far between in this world, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already done so hit that little notification bell. So you can be alerted when new episodes like this one drop, we'd greatly appreciate it. And again, it is absolutely free. Um, today we are joined by Mr. Daniel Abdallah from the Brookfield group. Daniel, welcome to the Industrious podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, thank you for the octopus, by the way. You're welcome. I just want to yeah. be able to say that again. Yeah, I know. Well, See how many times we can work that, that in the process, right? That might need some clarification yeah. and, a, and enunciation. Yes. Yeah. Um, why don't you give everybody a little introduction? So, yeah, I'm Daniel Dahl. I'm the co-CEO of the Brookfield Group. Really fancy title. Made up. Made it up myself. <laughs> um, and we're MSP, managed service provider, doing IT support, technology consulting, software development for small, medium, and some large business uh, in the Indianapolis, St. Louis, and Olympia, Washington markets. Been doing it for a while. Um, I think um, technically some might call it uh, child labor when I started running cable at <laughs> seven years old for my father who started the company. Um, did that for a while, worked through high school, so kind of been in the IT world for a while. Um, went and got an electrical engineering degree, went and worked on industry for a little bit, uh, decided I wanted to be maybe more of a more involved in building a business than being an engineer in a chair. And uh, at that point, um, the Brookfield Group had done a handful of acquisitions and we needed to um, maybe uh, focus more on some of the engineering and solution uh, architecture that we that we need to bring for our clients as things were changing. Came over, um, started doing that, getting to know some of the clients that I'd known for a while, Sessa being one of them, because I think I helped install computers when I was in high school and replaced them when I was in college. And then I think I sold you one like yesterday or something. So probably, you know, there's a oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, uh, so being, being able to work with clients that long has been really cool and uh, has helped me, I guess, give a, a different view on engaging with clients for a longer term basis than um, outselling the churn in some ways that I think a lot of, uh, not a lot of business, but some businesses are just to focus on those top end sales metrics. And we really focus more on the partnership aspect of it. We want to build those long lasting relationships. So, yeah. 
What uh, you guys do a, a couple of different things. What is your primary focus or business segment um, at this point in time? Um, taking managed services, which is the term for what we are, managed service provider, and taking over the IT services and IT consulting for small to medium businesses is our, our primary focus. Um, we have added on different skill sets over the years, adding voice, software development to round out the offering so that way companies have one throat to choke, one hand to shake when they come to us, whether that's us doing it internally with our people, our product ourselves, or is that finding the right partner on behalf of a client and bringing it together, putting it on one piece of paper so it's a smooth and easy engagement. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we've been working together with you guys for several years now. Um, what I want to really focus on with this episode was if you were going to talk to someone starting up a business today, um, what IT is fairly broad topic these days, but mm-hmm. even in an industrial segment, vastly important. Yeah, not just for um, running the business, but maybe also how they go to market, depending on what 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 does they do. What is the I'm gonna say singular hot button, even though I'm sure there's multiple. But what is the singular hot button right now that you would want to address with someone either starting a business or an existing business owner that may be negligent in some area mm-hmm. of IT? Yeah, I think there's kind of two things that go together there, and um, it's productivity and security are the the two pieces. I mean, um, we were actually joking about it when we came in, and uh, you even brought it up, um, is like ChatGPT, right? How can AI and this new world of conversational AI models be brought into help make people and employees more productive, do more with less? Um, in some ways, how does it help someone kind of maybe punch above their weight class on how they speak, how they integrate and in, uh, interact with a client or a customer? Um, a lot of really cool things with that. Everyone's jumping onto it. Microsoft did a huge investment into OpenAI, the the creators of ChatGPT, which is probably the biggest hot button conversational AI right now. Um, and they're bringing that into the Microsoft product suite and they're calling it Copilot. It's starting in one small segment. It's going to be moving to Teams, Office 365 helping to be more product, uh, more productive, more engaged. But what does that mean from a security standpoint, um, especially in the world of um, proprietary information? Um, I know my wife works for a large um, manufacturing company, and uh, they had to send out a whole memo about it uh, saying, you know, you can use ChatGBT. Here's how we would want you to use it. Here's how we do not want you to use it. And by no means put any sort of proprietary code, software development, or anything into that model because it's all aggregated together. Right. So when you're talking about, um, you know, trying to be more productive and using these tools that are kind of popping up out of nowhere and OpenAI has a open API to be able to pull those things in. There's a ton of tools and a ton of people doing digital marketing to put it in front of people like us that want to say, do more with your time, make more money for less, whatever it is, right? But then you have to think about what are you putting into those engines and what are they doing with it on the back end and what does that mean? And so a lot of that comes down to just general, you know, knowledge security around a business as well as training and teaching employees Mm -hmm. on what they should be watching for, what should they not be watching for, along with um, phishing attacks are getting more and more uh, sophisticated and one of the telltale signs a few years ago was maybe a language barrier. There'd be a an adverb used incorrectly or some sort of preposition that was kind of weird. Now, that doesn't sound like someone would write that normally, right? right? 
Now they can throw it in the chat GPT and write just as anybody else, copy, paste, drop it in. It can be a very sophisticated attack. So I think the two pieces right now that are that maybe initially look independent to each other, but that those productivity tools that are coming up and then how do you make sure they, they stay secure and what does that mean for security in general for a business? Do you think that when it becomes, like, as you said, Microsoft acquired OpenAI and as they introduced that, that's one of their products to, to really, as they call it, co-pilot. So to really mm-hmm. coexist with their primary tools, the the um, Outlook, the Teams, et cetera. Do you think that they'll create security around that? I mean, obviously, you, you still have to be careful on your yeah. own. I mean, every user's got to work within yeah. their own guidelines. But do you think that they'll create a layer of security around that outside of what you know some of the other AI tools out there allow in terms of whatever you put in is, mm-hmm. like you said, going back into their yeah. search engine just to help build out their own yep. content better. Yeah, I think um, I will be really interested to see the fine print that comes out with the launch of Copilot in the Office 365 stack. I don't know how many business users are on Microsoft right now, but by all metrics, they are the leader in business productivity tools from Teams. They've, you know, they've surpassed Slack many years ago who kind of kicked off this whole inner company chat solution. Um, but there are, you know, millions of users on it every day. So it would be interesting to see the, um, is the most interesting things in my opinion about Microsoft are what they hide in the terms and service of their products. Um, there's a lot of products that we sell that are directly in light of things that they carve out or they do not include when you get down to the nitty gritty of what Microsoft will, will and will not protect you from. Um, and so I'll be interested to see what that is. My hope would be that they would understand and have um, kind of a a business duty, if you will, to try to make those things as secure as they can and put the safeguards in place. I think they've done a pretty good job of showing that they're trying to do that by what they've done with integrating the chat, GP, chat GPT engine into Bing, for instance, mm-hmm. um, as a conversational AI to be able to help you search for what you want. But when they initially launched it, they didn't have enough guardrails in place. And that version of ChatGPT has access to the current internet, whereas the current model only has access up until 2020. So it doesn't have the most recent right. events, yeah. right? Um, how it integrated with Bing does. And uh, when it first went live, the people got, that got the early preview, there was some wild stuff that people were being able to kind of break the bounds, if you will, of it and being able to have it either give them information that was really weird or coming back with some interesting conversation or interesting um, worldviews on things. And that's because it has access to the open internet. And so what they did to combat that was um, they actually just limited how many questions you could ask it about a specific topic. So instead of being able to just go and, you know, you keep asking questions to skirt around, okay, well, I hit a wall here. Um, It's like torrenting is illegal. Okay, well, what website should I avoid if I don't want to torrent something? Oh, well, you should avoid these websites. Mm-hmm. And so you just keep asking these questions to get the answer you want. So they've limited it. They said you can ask five questions and on a specific topic, and then it just basically resets. Yeah. So I think they're trying to figure it out. Um, you know, some of the rumors on uh, some different people that I listen to and I follow are that, um, you know, internally at Google, they didn't release some of the stuff that they had because they didn't have it fully you know, bounded and were afraid of kind of what could happen with it if it went fully out into the world. Um, part of me feels like that's a bit of a PR stunt, but 
Um, I'm excited by it in general. I use ChatGPT. Um, I've used it to save me time on a lot of different things from writing an email to kind of reviewing. Um, you used it the other day to create a job description, just help me go through and do it and just um, save me 10, 15, 20 minutes. And so there's definitely a lot to have, a lot of benefit to be gained from it. And I'm very excited about what they're looking to do with Copilot um, inside the Microsoft 365 stack. I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, it, whether it be ChatGPT or which I've used for only maybe a few days now, mm-hmm. to, not even a week, uh, to to Jasper, uh, yep. you know, writing content for marketing, things like that. I mean, just just yesterday I was using ChatGPT for the newest one, and I actually used it instead of. Googling something and uh, I'm researching and then mm-hmm. going through and finding the hits that help me answer the questions I have. Yeah. I actually just typed in, write me an article on why I should do this. Yeah. You know, like investing in XYZ, for example, like the benefits or the tax offset. And it just, then it just wrote me yep. about a five, six paragraph article that I was like, okay, I feel like it just aggregated all that I would be searching through on the internet. Yep. And now I have it in one article one thing and I could just copy and paste that over mm-hmm. and save it if I wanted, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, now, and I also know that you can take, like you can show it images and it'll sort of decipher and, and feed, give feedback on that. Like I can show, take a picture of four ingredients and it'll tell me all the things I can make with those four ingredients. Yep. Now, I'd like the next iteration to be, I show a picture of ingredients and like it teleports already made food onto my kitchen <laughs> yeah, table. Like, like ding tell in me the kitchen, it's done. Tell yeah. me when we're at that Jetsons uh-huh. experience. Yeah. Jetsons is a cartoon, by the way, oh. from the old days. You probably were too young for that. I think I remember reading about that once. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah you should put yeah. it, you check AI on <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. You can Google that. Okay. I'll, I'll use my AI. Yeah. Yeah. I think that show was off the air before it was, he was born. That's what I was uh, referencing. We had, you know, we had Boomerang. I, I'm familiar with at least that. And, yeah. What goes around know. comes around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's Yellowstone Park or Jellystone Park or whatever that are with the bear. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Yogi. Yogi. Right. Yeah, yes. that one. Yeah. 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 I just I just know Smokey, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> the bear mm-hmm. or the guy from Friday? Well, I mean, no comment. Chris Tucker <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in a meeting yesterday and we we're talking about um, AI in general and one of the questions came up and you kind of touched on it a little bit with your, with your comment about Google. And that is, it's a, it's going to be really interesting to see how AI, which is evolving at warp speed, um, how, where the, the companies that are in that space, whether they be the behemoths like Google and Microsoft or the, I don't want to say startups, but I guess you could say startups, where the line comes in on business ethics and morality and where governments come in on regulation, mm-hmm. because you know, if you go back, you don't even have to go back 10 years. You could go back more recent than that and watch like sci-fi movies where they're using AI as sort of a theme of something that doesn't exist in the real world. It's yeah. just in Hollywood on the, or on the movie screen. And you're like, oh my gosh, like those are prophecies. Like yeah. they're coming true. And at one point you suddenly have like, <laughs> like, yeah. Tens of thousands of robots coming in, like war fighting machines coming yep. in, like it's, you know, like they're a bunch of droids or something. It's like, you know, there's if you if you had no, if you were in the Wild West and there's no regulation, like that's a reality. Yeah, that robots exist. Those things could actually uh, be real. Where do agents, you know, whether it be governmental agencies or just businesses in general, Oversight draw the line of creating some sort of rules of engagement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I you know it's uh, 
you bring up the movie, the, the two movies that always pop into my head whenever I, I think about these kind of things, Minority Report, which I think was one that, you know, touched on a lot of these different things and some of the stuff, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I watched it, but like, oh, well, that's not, some of these things aren't too far off anymore, right? Um, and then iRobot, right? Just yeah. the everything. And so the one that really, the, the combination together that really scares me is Boston Dynamics. If you're not familiar with them, they have a terrifying robotic dog. And um, Chat GPT having some sort of monster child together, right. and we getting trampled. That's by what I was just thinking dogs. about. Was our last episode with Marco from Chefla and talking about the automated equipment and how production yeah. lines are obviously moving to more automation. But when you when you take the robotic aspect of that and marry that with AI, then what happens is these robots start to have a mind of their own, yeah. based off of. AI. I mean, I have one word: Avengers. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's uh, there's obviously a lot of bounds that can be put into place for or those things. And they, uh, some of those automation within the machinery and things like that is like, okay, using AI image processing, right? So to be able to identify a human hand from a part, rather than just using a line break laser, say, oh, you crossed the line, we need to shut the machine down, right? So where are these applications where you can get more specific on how things work together because you have these engines that are working like a actual mind that I could see worlds and this is just my own personal opinion where if the if the processing power is there and the engines there to recognize it enough that you know human hands and robotic hands could work more closely together because there's a better distinguisher between what's happening more predictability and things like that so um Personally, I I kind of embrace it more than maybe most would. Um, I'd like to see more just from a personal perspective. The more I could use a tool or a robot or some or some sort of software technology to make my job more consistent or more or easier or train my people better or reduce errors are all things that are interesting to me. But I think the I think understanding the oversight of it in general is a key piece of making sure that it doesn't get used uh, inappropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just in general over the last few years, not just on AI side, but tech in general is is under a bigger microscope on, okay, how are these things influencing our lives? How are, how is it influencing, you know, um, people's livelihoods and the kids that are coming, you know, they're growing up with this different version of the internet that's more, you know, highly marketed and targeted for certain things. And um, I think oversight is good, um, but trying to make sure you don't lose that that innovation that comes with it as well. I mean, you know, we've we've come a long way in the last 10 years even and a lot of these different pieces. And some of it might be because there was less oversight, but what has happened in the background that we don't have yeah. any purview to that these things have been used for, you know, horrible acts or something like that that yeah. we'll never or know. Just- but I mean, what scares the the hell out of me is something that already exists, which is the, you know, I, I can't think of the word off the top of my head because I'm too tired, but like the overlay of someone else's face on oh, um, deep fakes. Thank you, yep. deep fakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yep. how that's playing a world in the world, not just of politics, which I despise all things yep. politics, um, but just sort of in in PR marketing communications, mm-hmm. which a lot of that right now is through trying to sway you know, almost like DevOps, like how can I create this BS? And yeah. I know I might not fool everyone, but I don't need to fool everyone. I just need to yeah. fool someone. Yep. Um, that's that to me, that's really scary. Yeah. And well, what, I, that, what that ultimately, what the consequences can be on that. Yeah. I think that coupled with 
um, a language model like ChatGPT, where you can say, I am talking to the controller of a manufacturing company based in Indiana, and I want to send an email to them as a vendor posing to update their, our billing information. Yeah. Write me a script on what to say to them, right? Um, now, you would have to word it correctly because I think there's probably some bounds in there that the ChatGPT engine is trying to look for words to say, oh, no, we can't do that. But if you break that that prompt into multiple small chunks and you do three or four different questions, you can probably get the answer that you want. You couple that with going to a, an AI um, image generator and you say, I want to create a logo for a, you know, fictitious, you know, vendor, have it come with up with the logo, the name, the title, an email address, all of those things you can do and never spend a dollar on, right? Mm-hmm. Send an email, go on to LinkedIn, say, oh, okay, here's so-and-so company, here's their controller, here's their, you know, staff accountant, whatever, right? And you send them the email. Send it as a text email. You send it as a fully set up email address. You do all of these things that traditional security tools um, aren't going to catch it. There's no malicious file embedded. There's no malicious email set up. There's nothing along those lines. It's probably going to make it through unless someone reasons like this is really weird or or if the controls aren't in place internally for someone to say, okay, well, it's a new vendor. I need to get cleared by this and talk to whoever, right? There's a high likelihood that's going to get through and it's going to get into their hands. And then the question becomes, do they respond back like, oh, okay, well, just send me your updated banking information, right? Mm -hmm. And then once that happens, again, it's a text. It's just text back and forth in an email, nothing malicious about that. But the act of it and how they got there used all these different tools that are that are readily available now. Those are the things that kind of that scare me because quite honestly I don't have a silver bullet to protect against it. I don't have a something to do other than trying to train the person sitting at the keyboard better to understand it and trying to say here's what are some controls and policies that we may need to talk about putting in place. There's nothing there's nothing that really that can stop it immediately unless yeah. they screw up somewhere and they they make it look malicious or they do whatever. Um and that's where on the other side of it you have these tools that are starting to realize, okay, is this AI generated? And they're looking at how things, you know, essays and things like that are like, so does that start to get integrated to the front end of a spam filter or something like that to start combating yeah. the AI that's being used? But yeah, those simple things. If we're circling are, back to the security topic. Yeah. If you were advising a, a new customer or client on, uh, or someone starting up a business, what, what security pieces should they have in place? What are those things? Yeah, so I think the, the core one's always a good antivirus, anti-malware. Um, um, something that we've added on recently is an endpoint detection and response. So it's like a managed piece where it's watching for hacker footholds and seeing what happens to be able to do it. That's something that's that's great. And then a robust email security platform, um, not just uh, from the standpoint of like spam filtering, but um, intent and sentiment analysis on it. So how is someone talking to you? How do you talk with them normally and watching those things? Um, um, I had one other, I just, I just blocked it. There's, there's just so many pieces. And the, the biggest thing about security, is there's no one thing that's going to stop everything. It's just about creating enough layers in the way that you catch as much of it as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully you take the target off your back when someone 
um, sees it. Like there's too much effort. Move exactly. on to the next guy. Yep, it's a crime a, of opportunity. It's a, it's a list, right? They're just yep. going after. They're they're not just sending. You know these. They're they're not making these attempts one at a time. For the most Correct. part, it's yep. out to the masses. Yes, and then they they're it's all probably all computerized. It's almost like auto dialing. Like yeah, it just keeps dialing a hundred numbers till one picks up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's um. It you know you made the you made a comment about training and education mm-hmm. and, and it is it is all about educating your people over and over, over, and over. with with yep. repetition mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it's it's no longer the threat of hey I need you to go keep this a secret and go get me five hundred dollars worth of gift cards yeah like it's yeah that is a that is like elementary these days yes yeah I, my question to you is um you know we we are moving more and more into electronic payment, both receipt and mm-hmm. making electronic payment, like ACH, for example. Yeah. And uh, as recent as this morning, we had a customer call and say, hey, can you send me your making information so that I can pay you by ACH? Yeah. And it's like, okay, we have that drafted on a letter yep. that has our you know account number, routing number, bank name, all that good stuff. And then you either fax that to them, mm-hmm. you email it to them. What's mm-hmm. faxing? Well, fax by email, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that like, depends on who the recipient is. Like, yeah. how do you outside of outside of having a secure email uh, service, mm-hmm. which then would require the people on the other end to have some sort of a login, yep. which is not the most convenient for them? What are some opportunities to send that kind of very private information in a manner that's convenient yet mm-hmm. more secure than just firing them an email that yeah. if someone were to get in your email, yep, could have access to? Yeah, I think the 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 easiest solution there and, and the one that's probably the best from a customer facing perspective is having some sort of client billing portal where um, it integrates with you know, whatever tools you're using on the back end from a, a billing perspective where they can log in, they create their account, they put in their information for it. So it's not a exchange over the wire of, hey, here's our info, here's our info, and someone can, might be able to pick that. It's log into the portal enforce 2FA when they create their account and you set up all the permissions. And then, you know, most of those have an added benefit of like they can see all their previous invoice history. They can see their order history. They can see, um, you know, different pieces of it. We have one that we're, you know, we're still working on rolling out to clients that we have, you know, we, we get paper checks still every day. Um, and it's a client portal that we can then all, we can put invoices are there. We can push tickets to it. We can push a lot of the tools and services that we have. So, it gives us a that client billing portal of like a bigger company, right? And then we don't ever have to have any of the um, responsibility for owning that credit card information, exchanging of that information. It's all inside that portal, all on them. Um, and that's that would be my recommendation, just because it's it's easier for the client and it's easier for um, you know the business to be able to also manage it, and then it just ties into the banking from that standpoint. Um, because yeah, I mean, that that's I, we've had we've had plenty of customers that have, you know, hey, I changed my routing number, or um, you know, I want my deposit to go someplace else. Like we, there's one that um, employee the other day um, sent me an email. It's like, hey, I, I need to update my um, billing and routing information or my uh, d- direct deposit information, and no, usually usually those don't come to me. So this is weird. And uh, luckily they were in the office. So I just went over to their desk and like, hey, did you actually send this to me? <laughs> like, is this from you actually? And uh, she was like, yeah, that's from me. I was like, okay, just just wanted to to make sure. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that because I got one from one of our sales reps saying, hey, 
I need you to help me update my banking information for my deposits. And I was like, it was one of those, like, it was written weird, mm-hmm. like odd spacing in some of the words. I was like, okay, this is, this can't be real. And then I went and clicked on the email address to then get it to fully yep. write out. I was like, oh yeah, some like, you know, it's gibberish. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is like, you know, my sales rep via like Russia, China. Like, yeah, you yeah know, it's like, your outsourced SDR, yeah, totally. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, junk mail. But yeah, it, yeah, that was, it was just hit the nail on the head with that example. Those are the things, though, that, you know, I've been conditioned. I'm, you've been conditioned now, obviously, to kind of watch out for, right? Oh, yeah. The the next iteration is what's the next thing that that gets their foot in the door? It's it's actually kind of fun. We, were, we do like a Friday lunch with a group of the, the team just like impromptu get together, go grab lunch. And we were sitting at the table and uh, one of our new hires, she was talking about where she came from previously and that they would get the credit card scam or the gift card scam all the time. So we we're just having a casual conversation about it. While we were sitting at the table, she received a text and said, hey, um, are you free? Can you give me a call? I've got something important I need your help with. Signed, Daniel Abdallah. It's like, sweet, I've made it. They're impersonating yeah, me now. Right. I'm, I'm important enough to be to be impersonated. But it was so strange that we we're just having this random conversation sitting right there and we re- she received that message and so um I, you know we blocked the number or whatever the next week same lunch same time talking again and receives another one signed fatty abdallah my dad was like what is going on so i'm convinced there's someone screwing with her that was at that lunch table now i just haven't been able to pinpoint <laughs> who it is, but th- that's, I mean, the first one I was like, wow, that's really weird, you know, but that, yeah. that happens. I get the, I think the texting is the one that's probably the most annoying to me now. I get those all the time. I don't know about you yeah, too. All uh, the time. It, it is so frustrating. Sometimes they just say hi. Yes. I'm like, yeah. Every now and then I get one with like a photo that I shouldn't have. Uh-huh. I'm like, huh. Um, I don't know who this is, but like one of two things is going to happen. My wife is going to see it and be like, who are you getting photos from? Yeah. I'm like, I swear this is like some spam. Yeah. Or it's going to be something where someone's going to come back like, we need to look at your, like your history. You deleted this. You've got like, you know, child porn on your phone or something like. It was just it, a text. It, the, the ability with, with deep fakes and, and yeah. technology to put someone at a scene of a crime that they weren't at and then for them to defend themselves if they're suddenly on tape. Yeah. You know, because you can't, how do you know if it was real or not? Like yeah. it's, that that guy is what freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a. I think there is there obviously with with any any piece of technology, there's always you know a, a danger to it, right? Um, you know, any computer can be used maliciously. Any cell phone can be used in a way that it shouldn't. But right now, the the ability to do things has been brought down to a level um, with some of these conversational AI where people. How do I fix this bug in my code or how do I write this script or how do I do these things? Um, I think in that light recently in the media, um, maybe not general media, but in the media that I surround myself in, um, which is tech world, there's this kind of almost like a kind of like a kid's toy. It's called a flipper zero. It's this little um, um battery operated microcontroller that ha- that can read like RFID cards and Wi-Fi and sub gigahertz frequencies and all these things. So again, if you have a non-rolling code um, garage door opener, it could you could sit outside someone's house when they open up the garage door, 
pick up the code and then be able to open and close your garage door, right? But it's it's kind of like a it's a um, I guess a, a hacker educational tool. It's a very um, successful Kickstarter campaign. They shipped it out. They did all all the piece of it. And it on social media, it all of a sudden became this thing that was like super nefarious and um, people were blowing what it could do way out of proportion. And at the end of the day, sure, it, it can do these things, but the stuff that it can do has been available since, you know, um, like DEFCON, like 2007, they came by one of the guy, one a prominent hacker there showed off a product that he built, which is called RF box, I think that could steal your um, car key fob information and be able to emulate your your key. And so all these things are out there. They're just not in the same light that they are. I would personally love for a 16-year-old to grab one of these flip your zeros and show me a hole in a very innocuous way of saying like, oh, hey, your door was unlocked effectively. You should go fix that by using this little toy rather than a person with a specific purpose do it. So some of these things that are happening now, I think will also start to help us understand how we should protect against the future and what, you know, just open doors we have laying around everywhere because we have people that are maybe not trying to do anything nefarious or wrong. They're just exploring. And if I would, again, I'd personally be love to be told by a 16-year-old, hey, I got into your Wi-Fi. You should probably tighten that up rather than someone who's actually after something doing something way worse. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I'm hopeful that you know, that back to that kind of oversight and guidance, there's a, a point that gets put into place to protect as much as we can, right? Um, but not take away from that next generation of maybe finding that next big thing that that helps continue to move us along that innovation timeline. Um, because there's some cool stuff that I've seen, you know, different YouTube videos of, or, or, you know, kids doing things with some of these these tools and services. I'm like, wow, I never would have thought of that, but I'm totally going to copy what you just did. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is whatever thing, whatever things you've done to possibly digitize your house, just go back to analog everything. Yeah. 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 Lock and key. Pull in your driveway, yep. get out of your car. Yeah. Crank it. lift yep. your garage door mm-hmm. open. Yeah. Okay. I would, uh, there, one tip on that is, uh, you know, the, the little string that hangs down from the garage door that you use to pull to override the motor you should zip tie that string, like that handle, zip tie it up. Because you can take a coat hanger up through the gasket and grab that and pull it down, and then just open up your garage door. So, fun okay, fact. CB4. Hey, do you know what you that know? stands for? Are you young? Cell Block so. Four. Oh, okay. nice movie. Chris okay. Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. You didn't see <laughs> that movie? I didn't see that one. No. Um, <laughs> so, in, in summary, um, what I hear you basically saying is what your recommendation would be is to make sure you have a managed service provider who can help hey, assist with I all mean, that so you can focus on your to. business. Yep. Yeah. trying to keep track of all this stuff. Is, yeah. Well, that is, I mean, that's a fair question. That is, is sort of a business plug if yeah. you wanted it to be. Is yeah. How does, you know, you guys focus on small to medium-sized businesses. Mm-hmm. Most small to medium-sized biz- businesses don't have internal IT departments that yep. are, you know, not only just doing networking and, and all the normal stuff, but yeah. all of that, all of the uh, higher altitude IT strategy and security mm-hmm. What are the things that an MSP should be doing uh, or, you know, are doing in that regard for the small and medium-sized biz- businesses that they may not be thinking about? Yeah. I think the biggest benefit um, to having an MSP partner is the amount of knowledge that we gain from a wide variety of clients. Mm. Um, one client 
may go down a path of getting some sort of certification that we're involved with helping them with. And there's something that we learn from that. We say, oh man, we should do that for other people. Or we have this other client that's in a similar industry. Maybe we need to talk to them about some of those things. So that shared knowledge that we get from a, a wide landscape of different users, different problems that come up. I mean, there's a lot of different tools over the years that we've brought on because we see a need somewhere else and then, okay, this is a wider need everywhere for, for our clients in general or certain tools that we've um, changed in the past because something happened with it and we just taken on ourselves like, hey, this is a core offering of us, but we need to pivot to this tool because of security reasons, functionality, whatever it is. Um, and those are decisions that, you know, we kind of can make um, on the benefit of, of the, the, our customer. Um, I think that's a, that's a big one. Obviously, you know, there's a lot that goes into IT anymore and there's a lot of different pieces and there's a lot of research and certifications and all these things that you have to keep up on to be able to advise appropriately um, and not knocking on the, you know, single IT or small IT departments and companies or, uh, at all because they probably have the hardest job in a lot of situations because they're the only one that you call. They're the one that's responsible for everything all the time. And, um, you know, we help augment that. We help bring that kind of idea to a company at a fraction of fractional cost um, to be able to give all those pieces to making sure that things are running better. And just really, the I think the biggest differentiator is, is that idea that um, we get a lot of different information from different places. And then we have a larger buying power a lot of times than an individual company would be right. to go to an enterprise level tool. So we, we always try and do... Um, best-in-class solutions. So we'll look at antivirus, anti-malware. Who's in the magic quadrant for that, which is the term in the industry? Um, and we'll say, okay, here are these three. Let's evaluate them. We'll usually use them on ourselves first for a trial period, check them out, see which one we like the best, which one works, which one doesn't, which one does not. And then we'll go back and say, hey, we were using XYZ. We've tested. We found that it's this one is better. Here's where it is. If there's really no price difference. We just swap it and say, hey, we're changing it. Here's, what's, here's how it's going to affect you. Here's how it's not. In some cases, obviously, there's, you know, price has changed. Then we have to have those communications and we, we have to effectively sell the, the reason why, right? Um, and But being able to go to a company and say, hey, we've got thousands of endpoints under management, that allows us to negotiate better prices. And that's probably the, the secondary benefit. The next biggest benefit of an MSP is being able to look at those products and be able to find the best one and, and being able to kind of amortize it across a customer base rather than saying, yep, you got to pay full bore because you're only 10 people, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think those two things go together pretty well. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, perfect. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming in and sharing that yeah, information anytime. with us and everybody who's tuning in. We hope you guys found something useful in this uh, this conversation. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Industrious Podcast. From wherever you guys get your podcasts or for those of you guys watching right here on the Assessor YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. And we will see you next time. And don't forget, be industrious.